Well, good morning. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now from an off-site campus, uh, or if you're on the internet, at home, wherever you happen to be, we are really glad that you've chosen to worship with us uh, today at Seacoast. Uh, we have a, we have a uh, treat today. Um, occasionally, we will invite one of our friends uh, to come and share with us, and uh, today we have Brady Boyd, uh, who is the pastor at New Life Church in Colorado Springs. It's a great church. I'll tell you, um, uh, I, I was very familiar with that church before Brady came. In fact, I was familiar with the church before I was familiar with Brady. I didn't know Brady, and uh, the church uh, uh, had a major scandal of national and international proportions. Have you know, it's not good when CNN and Fox both are in your foyer, uh, you know, before or after a service. It was one of those. And uh, I wondered, uh, who's going to go there? I certainly would not want to. And uh, somebody told me that Brady Boyd, this would be his first uh, church as a, as a senior pastor. And I thought, good luck with that. And uh, that'll be kind of an interim thing until somebody else can come along. And, and, and to make matters worse, within just a few months, uh, they had a gunman come into the church and, and uh, shoot and kill people on a Sunday morning service. And so all of that together, and shortly after that happened, I uh, met Brady and and was, uh, uh, it was part of my privilege to, to help walk through a lot of that. Brady uh, has built, uh, God has used Brady to build new life in one of the great churches in America. We sing some of the songs that come out of their house. He's, he, he's a, uh, an incredible leader. Um, Pam, his wife, is with us for the first time in Charleston uh, this week. And I told him, I said, uh, you know, the weather will change uh, shortly, probably in about four, five, six months. <laughs> but uh, I am so excited to have Brady with us. Would you stand and just give a good Seacoast welcome to Brady Boyd as he comes. Thank you, Pastor Greg. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good morning. It is so good to be in uh, Charleston. We love the humidity. I feel like I've gained about 10 pounds just that, that the moist air soaking into my body. And we, uh, my wife and I, Pam, we grew up in Louisiana, so humidity is not a new thing to us. We, but we've been spoiled because in Colorado, we have like 5% humidity. That's a really bad day for us. So we'll get back and we'll freeze again. So it's good to be with you. Pastor Greg, uh, I, he didn't say this, but he, has, he serves as an overseer for us at New Life Church now. And I, I, I want to tell you this. There are fewer and fewer pastors who are getting into their experienced ages with the grace that your pastor has. And I just want to commend Pastor Greg for being a father. I know you know this. We need more mothers and fathers because there's a lot of orphan sons and daughters out there right now. And Pastor Greg serves as a spiritual dad to a lot of us. And I'm not that much younger than him, but he, I do see him as someone that's ahead of me that's finishing the race really, really well. And I know you probably know this, but what's happening at Seacoast Church and all the congregations around Seacoast is unusual. And I, I know I want to tell you this, you're spoiled, right? This is a good church with healthy leadership and the spirit of God's moving here. People's lives are being changed. And I get to travel around the country and this is unusual, this is a good thing. God's blessing this place for a reason. And I just want to, sometimes you need an outsider to come in and tell you, you're a part of a good thing. You're a part of a good church. And I feel it here. When you walk into this building, you just feel the peace and the presence and the safety 
of the Holy Spirit. And I just, uh, so it's an honor to be here with you this weekend. And I want you to turn now to 1 Samuel. And if you can find 1 Samuel in less than 60 seconds, you're going to heaven. So that's, that's just go right, without looking at the table of contents, see if you can find it in less than 60 seconds. 1 Samuel. And I want to talk to you about hearing God. And I know that sounds like a simple topic, but we're living in a time and a season uh, that if you're not infused and saturated with the Holy Spirit, if you're not tuned in to hearing God's voice, quite honestly, you're guessing and you're probably stumbling right now. And I, as a pastor, one of the primary things that I want to teach my church back home in Colorado is how to discern and to hear and to understand the voice of God. It is super critical right now for my own children. I have a 22-year-old son. I have a 20-year-old daughter who are about to graduate college, and mom and I are about to get a raise. Somebody say amen. And we're about to be empty nesters again. Somebody say really loud amen. And uh, so with that, though, I'm about to launch my own children out into a world that's becoming increasingly complex. And I'm asking the Lord, Lord, would you give them ears to hear? Would you give them eyes to see? Would you give them a mind to understand? Would you give them a heart to believe all that you're saying and all that you're doing? That's a prayer that I pray over them all the time. I pray that over my church, and I'm praying that over you this morning. <clears throat> when we go to 1 Samuel chapter 3, this is the story of a young boy. Uh, he had, his mom was named Hannah. The young boy's name is Samuel. And if you're not familiar with the story, Hannah makes a deal with God. God, if you'll give me a son... I will dedicate this son to the house of the Lord. Sure enough, she had a son, and when the son was old enough, she dropped him off at church and left him there. I just want you to know that policy has now changed, and they don't do that at Seacoast. So take home as many children as you brought with you today, okay? Uh, so 1 Samuel chapter 3 is a story of a little boy growing up at church, and he's about to have an epic encounter with the Holy Spirit that's going to not only change Samuel's life. But Samuel would become a prophet that would anoint two kings. This is a young man that had a divine call on his life. But I want you to notice that God did not wait till he was older to intervene into his life. There's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen to that, right? So 1 Samuel 3. Now I'm going to read this entire story. Are you okay with reading a lot of the Bible here? Is that all right? All right, 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Now Eli is the priest and he's corrupt. He's not a good guy. He's not Pastor Greg. He's the opposite of Pastor Greg. And, and in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Not because God wasn't speaking. It's because I think the people of God had failed to learn to listen. They weren't listening. The word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. And one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Stop here just for a moment. This is what Indiana Jones has been looking for for like 50 years now. Like six different movies he's been looking for this thing. This is where Samuel slept next to the holiest place on earth. So he's in the holiest temple next to the holiest artifact on earth. Now the reason I'm saying this is it's possible to be around holy things but not hear the holy God. It's possible to grow up at church, be a part of a church, but not know how to discern and to hear the voice of God. So listen to what he says here. And he says, and then the Lord called Samuel and Samuel answered, here I am. 
And he ran to Eli and he said, hey, did you, did you say anything? Here I am, do you call me? And Eli says, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down and again the Lord called, Samuel. Notice there's an exclamation mark in, in, in that, that the voice of the Lord escalates. That, and I want you to hear today how relentless God is in getting this young boy's attention. Because if God is relentless in getting Samuel's attention, chances are he's been relentless getting your attention. Notice how persistent God is. He says, Samuel, and Samuel got up, went back to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? My son Eli says, if you wake me up again, I'm gonna break a kneecap. I'm gonna, I, I, I can't take this. He said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Again, it's possible to grow up around holy things and not know the Lord of the holy things. He did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Underline that word if you have an old school Bible that you can write in, uh, revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel a third time. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you call me. And then suddenly Eli realized there's something going on here that's divine. God must be up to something with this little boy. And he realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli says to Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you a fourth time, say this, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. That sounds like a prayer that we all should be praying right now. That sounds like a prayer that we should get up in the morning. That should be the first thing out of our mouth. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there. Now notice that in the previous, all he has now heard the Lord, but now suddenly there's such a powerful presence of God that Samuel says the Lord was standing there among me. That God was not just speaking to me, but his presence had become so pronounced that he was standing there with me and calling at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Notice he repeats his name this time. Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Can we just pray? Can we just ask the Lord to give us ears to hear as we continue? Father, we thank you for these words. We thank you for these scriptures. We thank you that the scriptures are living and active, that they're sharper than in a double-edged sword, that they're able to discern our thoughts and judge our attitudes. And we give you permission today to take these words, to take these scriptures, and would you penetrate the hearts and souls of your brothers and sisters, these dear saints, the people of God here at Seacoast, would you take these words and shape us and change us and form us and, and do something holy with it today? In Jesus' name, we pray. I, I know this might be unusual for some of you to hear that God is actually concerned enough about your life to speak to you. But I love, this, I love this quote from Eugene Peterson. I, I, had, I had a couple of times where I spent some time, extended time with Eugene Peterson, and I, love, and I read all his books, and he says that God speaks is the basic reality of biblical faith. That God wants to speak to us, that God chooses to speak to us is the basic reality of, of, of our whole faith system, our whole belief system. And if you look at Genesis chapter one, the Bible opens up with a speaking God. There is a void, a darkness, a void, a dark of the deep. And it says the spirit was hovering over the dark of the deep. And all things were created by the spoken word of God. God, let there be light. Let there be land. Let there be mountains. Let there be skies and oceans. And that's what happened. God was speaking out loud. And it was a spoken word of God that caused creation. Then if you go to the very end of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, where the Bible ends with a God reminding us, speaking to us, I am coming soon. 
So God is, opens the Bible speaking, he closes the Bible speaking, and ever since the Bible has been finished written, he's trying to get the attention of his people, he's trying to call us by his voice into our, his obedience. And so this, is, this, this story in 1 Samuel, there are four things that I want you to see here today, and four things that I hope will stir up a holy imagination in you. I hope today when you leave this service, that you fall more in love with the idea that God wants to have holy conversations with each of us. Here's the first thing about this story that I find fascinating is that the word of the Lord is always personal. Notice here that, that God knew this scruffy-headed boy that was li living in the, in the church. He calls him by name. He says, the Lord called Samuel. He knew him. He was not forgotten. Can you imagine this kid, his mom saying to him, hey, I'm dropping you off. You're going to live here with this old guy that's corrupt, has two corrupt sons, and this is going to be your home. It's a deal I made with God. That could not have made sense to Samuel. And I promise you this, Samuel was going through separation, probably some separation anxiety. He, he felt probably abandoned by his family. He felt alone. There were no kids. There were no other kids around. And so you can imagine what this kid was going through. And for God to come to him in that moment of his life and to know his name changed this young boy's destiny. And right now, a lot of people believe that there's a God. In fact, there's not a, there's not a lack of belief in God right now in America. The lack of belief is that God cares about you. And so deism has taken hold in our belief system in America. And deism is the belief that God exists, but he doesn't really care about me. And I want to tell you that's the lie of the enemy. God not only exists, but God cares deeply about the day-to-day, hour-by-hour, intricate details of your life. He knows your name. And I need, there is someone here that needs to hear this today. You're not a cosmic accident. You're not a celestial mistake. You're not, a, you're, you're not here by chance. God knit you together in the womb of your mother. There's not a single human being on the life that does not have Imago Dei, the image of God on their life. And that's that you have God's design. You have God's purpose in your life. And because of that, God has imprinted himself upon you. God has destined you for ministry. God's called you into his family and you matter to him Deeply, Come by and say amen if you believe that this morning. The word of the Lord is always personal. In fact, I can't remember a time when the Lord didn't come to me and say, Brady, Brady, he speaks to me. He leads me. And I'm going to tell a story in just a moment, a couple of stories in a moment. But this is, this is intensely personal. God cares deeply about each of us. Here's the second thing, is that the word of the Lord is always revealed. It says, it says in verse 7 that the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now, the word revealed there is, is revelation. It's, a, it's the work of the Spirit. It's something that happens by the power of the Spirit. Remember what I said at the beginning of the message, that if you're not Spirit-saturated. Now, I use that language on purpose because I don't want a sprinkling of the Spirit. I want, I, want, I want it to feel like the air in South Carolina. I want it to be saturated with moisture. I don't want it to feel like Colorado air where there's a sprinkling of moisture. I want it to feel like South Carolina air. This is the difference. I was thinking about that yesterday, how the air, there, there, there's water in every single particle of the, of the air here. And that's the way I want my life to feel. I want the spirit to be so strong. I want it to be 100% humidity on my life. I need all of the Holy Spirit right now. now. I know this may be shocking to many of you in the room, but I, I'm 54 years old. 
I know, I know, you're shocked because you thought I was much younger. I can see the look on your face, but I'm 54. Uh, so four years ago, not for all the math wizards in the room, four years ago, I turned 50. And I remember waking up uh, on my 50th birthday and it was, it was sobering. You know, when you hit 50 years old, you realize you're probably at halftime. I mean, maybe late third quarter, you know, depending on how good I eat for the rest of it. And I eat bacon this morning, so it's probably, you know, I'm late third quarter maybe, you know. But your mortality comes into question. You realize, you know, I probably got more time behind me than ahead of me. And so I thought to myself, what is it that I want? And I actually thought the Lord was asking me this question. What is it that you want? What do you need from me? And this, the first thing that came out of my mouth is, I need more of the Holy Spirit. I don't need less. I need more. And I'm watching a lot of my 50-year-old friends, 60-year-old friends, 70-year-old friends get bored with their faith. They're not really involved in church anymore. They, you know, they raise their kids. They've checked off all the things they're supposed to do, and they get bored with their faith. And I am determined that I'm going to be on fire for Jesus. I'm going to be the 80-year-old that's on fire for Jesus, that's full of life. I'm not going to get complacent. I'm going to win people to Christ. I'm going to disciple people. I'm going to be involved in my church. I am going to end with greater enthusiasm than I began. But that doesn't happen by accident. It happens because you welcome the work of the Holy Spirit. So I'm laying in bed that morning, and the Lord reminded me of a prayer that's only three words long that's about 1,700 years old. There's a prayer that the early church fathers taught their congregation 1,700 years ago. And I, I just read about it. And it's a simple three-word prayer. And, and the prayer sounds like this. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, we don't pray that prayer because we think the Holy Spirit's abandoned us or run away from us. That's not the reason. So don't get into a theological, uh, uh, don't, don't wrestle with this theologically, okay? This is not because we think we've lost it that the Holy Spirit's run away from us. We pray this prayer to remind ourselves of how much we need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's right here with us. The Holy Spirit is overshadowing us, hovering around us. The problem is we don't recognize our need for the Holy Spirit, and we don't make room for the Holy Spirit. So that morning, four and a half years ago, I laid in my bed, and before my feet touched the floor, before I looked at my phone, before I did anything, I said, come Holy Spirit. Now, almost every morning for the last four and a half years, and in fact, this morning, when I got up before I, my feet touched the floor this morning, I, was, I woke up in your city this morning early, uh, I said out loud, come, Holy Spirit. The first words out of my mouth every day for the last four and a half years have been a welcoming prayer of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I just want to encourage you for the next 30 days, if you need something to reinvigorate you, if you need something to stir your heart, before you look at your phone, before you look at the news, somebody say amen, say, come, Holy Spirit, come to me. Holy Spirit, I make room for you. Holy Spirit, I, there, there are empty places in my life that I want only you to fill. And so this prayer reveals God's voice to me. Come, Holy Spirit. Come to me, Holy Spirit. Here's the third thing, and I love this part. The third, third thing that I see in this story is that the word of the Lord requires help from other people. Notice in verse 8, it was Eli who realized the Lord was calling the boy. And right now, we're living in a hyper-individualistic world where we don't really need, think we need the help of other people. And I love the fact, what I love about Seacoast Church is that you have Father Greg and son Josh working in tandem with one another. I had dinner last night with Josh, 
and, and I had breakfast this morning with Greg, Pastor Greg. And what I love about this transition that's happening in your church is that you have age and wisdom and experience speaking into youth and zeal and passion. And, and, and Josh realizes how much he needs the voice of his dad in his life. And Pastor Greg knows how much he needs the, the joy and the enthusiasm and the energy of his son. And when those two things start working in tandem with one another, it's almost impossible not to hear the voice of the Lord. And every one of us in the room needs someone younger and someone older in our lives. We need people that we're, we're listening to, that we're speaking to. We, listen, you cannot be a Christ follower by yourself. You are not designed to follow Jesus alone. All of us need other people. And this is one of the, one of the great tragedies of what happened last year when the church got scattered is that we realize for the first time, I actually need to be in a room with other people. I need to hear singing voices around me. I need to hear grandma saints praying next to me. I need to hear young 20-somethings who are full of zeal dancing and worshiping next to me. I need all of that happening around me in order for me to be a complete follower of Jesus. I need the voice of others speaking to me. I need, I need, I need the Eli's affirming God's voice in my life. I'm grateful for that Pastor Greg's in my life. I'm, I'm grateful that I have these, these saints that are ahead of me speaking back to me. And I love that I have a whole group of young leaders back at my church that look to me for that same kind of wisdom. But I cannot give away that which I have not received. And in order to give it away, I have to receive it. I have to welcome it. And when I receive wisdom into my life, I now have wisdom to give away. And all the 20 and 30-somethings in the room, listen, I look around Seacoast, there's a lot of gray hair in this room. Gray hair is wisdom. And you have to ask them. You have to ask them, tell me what it means to be married for 40 years. What does it mean to follow Jesus for 45 years? What does it mean to raise your children for, and get them into a healthy place? Ask them, the, how do you handle your money? How did you prepare yourself for retirement? All those are questions that people with a little silver in their hair, a little chrome, I call it chrome, it's not gray, right? It's all a little chrome in your hair or lack thereof that allows you to ask them questions. And I just want to encourage all the 20-somethings, go buy them coffee, you pay for it, take them out for coffee and, and ask them, come, come ready with a list of questions and I promise you, you'll begin to hear the Lord differently. Here's the last thing, and I love this part, is that the word of the Lord is heard by listeners. In verse 10, he says that Samuel responded exactly the way Eli asked him to, speak for your servant is listening. Now, I want to tell you this story. When Pam and I were first starting dating, this is my wife, Pam, right over here. We've been married 31 and a half years. We got married in the seventh grade. It was a scandal of the seventh grade, uh, but we were from Louisiana, so that makes perfect sense. And uh, so Pam and I got married and, but let me just, she, she's given me permission to tell this part of the story. So when I first started dating her, uh, there were other girls that I was interested in. Now that's not, that's changed. Okay. I don't, I'm not interested in any other girls now, but when we first started dating, there were some other girls that I was interested in. So when Pam, uh, when we, we would talk on the phone and this was before caller ID. All right. So I know I'm going to sound like the old guy here, but how many of you remember the rotary phones? Remember that when you had to dial? If you had a bunch of eights and nines in your number, nobody called you because it was too much work. It was just too much work. But this is when, so when the phone rang at your house, you had no idea who was calling. It was a great mystery. 
It could be the IRS. It could be your drunk uncle. It didn't really matter. I mean, it could be anybody. So when Pam would call my house, there were other girls also calling my house. So, and this is the early days now. So when Pam would call, I had five seconds to get it right or it's game over, right? You know what the remarkable thing happened over the course of time, though? When Pam's voice became exclusive to me, I began to recognize her voice. And this is the problem. People, this is the number one question I get asked all the time. How do you hear God's voice? Well, God's voice is exclusive to me. And I, over 30 years of following him, I have learned to make it primary, to make it exclusive, so that when he speaks to me, it is paramount in my life. Now, Pam, after 31 and a half years, we don't have to talk in order for her to communicate volumes to me. She's, she's talking to me right now. I know if I'm hitting the mark with her right now. She doesn't have to say anything to me right now. I am listening to her voice. And by the way, God's voice and your wife's voice sound eerily similar. <laughs> That's the truth. That's why I believe in marriage. Listen, you'll never hear God unless you first get to know them, know God. And when I got to know Pam, I could understand her voice. I could discern what she was saying. So when Pam and I were a young married couple, uh, right, out, right out of the gate, we got married. I was, I was actually 22 and she was 21. And we right away realized after a few years that we biologically were not going to be able to have kids. Both of us have some medical things and doctors were telling us, you're not going to have children and you're gonna, there's just no possible way. And so we were just heartbroken by that because we wanted to have a family. We wanted to raise children and we realized we weren't going to be able to do that. And uh, and so I was, I was at this point living in Amarillo, Texas. Now, we grew up in North Louisiana, and Amarillo, Texas is nine hours away, away from all of our family and friends. We were a young married couple living out uh, in the West Texas, great, great people out there, but it is in the middle of nowhere. The end of the earth is three miles outside of Amarillo, Texas. I don't know if you know that the whole earth just drops off. People disappear out there. So we, we, we felt very isolated and alone living there, and at the same time, we were getting this horrific medical news that we would never have children. And so our hearts were really sad during that time in our life. And at, this, at about that same time, I got a phone call from a, a television station. I was working in TV and radio at the time. And, uh, and, and they call me, this TV station called me 30 minutes from my hometown, from Pam's hometown, and offered me the job of my dreams. At that time in my life, it would have been more money, more responsibility, more opportunity than I'd ever had in my life. And this guy, I'll never forget, we were in the kitchen of our little house and, and we didn't even have speaker phones back then. This is, listen, this is Noah had just gotten off the ark at this point. So I got the phone right here, okay? And you could hear, so she's listening and I'm writing down the offer. He's telling me the salary, the benefits, the, all, everything. And I'm writing it down. Pam's listening to it. It's 30 minutes from our hometown back in Louisiana. And Pam and I, of course, when we hung up the phone, I told the guy, he knew I was a, a Christ follower and I said, Hey, I need to pray about this overnight, but I'll call you back in the morning with a final answer. Hung up the phone. Pam and I high-five one another. Yes! We get to go back to Louisiana, back to our family, back to our friends, uh, back to everything that we knew that was familiar. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And so I said, Pam, I just got to go out and clear my head. I was so I was, I was hyped up, you know. And this is a true story. 
Okay, sometimes I don't let the facts stand in the way of a good story, but this is a factual, true story. <laughs> now you're doubting everything I've told you in the past, right? <laughs> What's part of the other stories were not true? All right, this is a true story, what I'm about to tell you, okay? I walk out of our little house with that news flashing through my brain, knowing that obviously God had opened up this magical door for us to go back to Louisiana, and I stepped off the front step, and the Lord said, no! Now, I don't know if you've ever had God yell at you, but it was that, it was, it was, uh, that loud to me. And I stopped there, and here's what the Lord said to me, and you, some of you need to hear this today. He said, Brady, if you go back to Louisiana, I will bless you because I know you love me and I love you and you're not being rebellious. But if you will trust me, there is a greater blessing here waiting for you. So it's not like the Lord says it's right or wrong. He just says, gives you, sometimes he gives you a choice of blessing or greater blessing. That's a good God, right? I mean, so I had that choice, but it, well, obviously as a young man, I want the greater blessing, but it meant calling that guy back the next morning and telling him I'm not coming. And I did. Now, when I went back in to tell Pam, she went, what? So I got God yelling at me, Pam yelling at me. We prayed that night. The next morning we woke up and we both felt assured that we had heard the Lord. Don't go back to Louisiana. There's a greater blessing here if you will trust me. And so we called the guy and I said no to him. And it was hard. Now, I wish I could tell you the next day I went to the mailbox and there was this thing. No, it was three months of silence. God on mute for three months. And it was a great, probably one of the single greatest times of testing for me as a believer because I really thought I'd miss God. Pam and I was like, we have messed up. We have, we have just said no to a great opportunity. Now we're stuck out here in West Texas. The one afternoon, three months later, I got a phone call from a, a pastor at my church and he said, hey, Brady, uh, he mentioned a woman's name in our church. Do you know her? I said, of course I know her. You know that she's six months pregnant? And I did not know that. She said, well, she was, uh, she was praying this morning, and she said that the Lord spoke to her for you to adopt their, the child that she's carrying. And so three months later, we went to the hospital, and we brought home Abram Neil Boyd, who's now 22 years old. He's graduating college uh, next year and is just full of God, full of life, such a joy to his mother and I. Uh, two years later, a 19-year-old single mother walked up to Pam and I and said, I am nine months pregnant, which we were very aware of looking at her, and I need, I'm giving birth in three weeks, and I want you to have this child. And 20 years ago, Callie Grace Boyd was born into our lives, and she's going to graduate college next year, and she's going to change the world. She loves Jesus with all of her heart. She, all four of us work at the church now together. And I'm telling you this story to tell you that the Lord knows how to lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And when, he, when you hear the Lord's voice, your whole life will change. And I want to pray for you this morning. I just sense there are some of you that you don't, you don't really believe that God wants to speak to you. And maybe it's easy for you, Pastor Brady, to hear God's voice, but I don't know if I'm hearing God's voice or not. Here's the prayer that I want you to pray. Father in heaven, today I make your voice exclusive to my life. And John 10 says, my, my sheep listen to my voice. Listen to this passage of scripture. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is the promise that Jesus made for you, that you would know his voice, that you would follow him. 
So I'm going to pray this prayer. We're going to pray two prayers today. I'm going to pray the first prayer. If you'll just turn your hearts toward the Lord today, say, come, Holy Spirit. Because nothing I pray after this is going to make sense to you unless you first welcome the Holy Spirit. And maybe you've never prayed that prayer, come, Holy Spirit. I welcome the Holy Spirit. But I pray today that the Holy Spirit would come. Come to us, Holy Spirit. We make room for you. We make room for you today. Father in heaven, we thank you that you can give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a mind to understand and a heart to believe. So pray that out loud with me, those two prayers. If, you, if, you, if you're okay this morning, would you just say, come, Holy Spirit. Give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. Give me a mind to understand and a heart to believe. Father, I pray over the precious people of Seacoast Church and all the congregations. I pray that this will be a church that is marked by a people who hear God's voice and obey God's voice. Lord, let it never be more complicated than that. We hear you, we believe you, and we obey you. And Father, I pray that now over the church, over these people. I pray strength over them, blessings over them, hope and healing over them today. And I pray it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Good to be with you. Man, what a great, great word for us. Um, hey, if you're new here to Seacoast, it's my favorite part of every service where we ask two questions. God, what are you saying to me and what am I going to do about it? And uh, man, there's just so many thoughts and points from Pastor Brady's message that stands out to me. But the first of which is that his voice is always personal. And I remember the very first time that I heard it, um, I grew up sleeping in pews at a church. I didn't actually live there, <laughs> but very familiar with the stories, attended regularly for girls and donuts, but had never heard the voice of the Lord for myself. And it was my junior year of high school, much like a weekend like this, the church had brought in a guest speaker talking about a story that I had heard many times. And for the first time about this moment in the service, he gave an invitation and I heard God speak to me and I had buddies sitting beside me, my eyes start water and like, what are you doing, man? Stop. And, but I had to respond because this thing I had heard about for so long became personal to me. And I know for some of you today, your heart's racing. I know there's some people that God is speaking to here in this room, maybe online. And today is an opportunity for you to respond. So maybe your next step is to say, okay, Lord, here I am. Your servant is listening. Speak to me. And it may be to step into a relationship with him for the very first time that you would make him the Lord of your life. Maybe it's to respond to something that he's calling you to. Whatever the case, maybe the next step for you today would be to say that prayer, allow his voice to you to be personal. You can go to a cross, write your name on a sheet of paper, maybe write out what he speaks to you, just pin it to the cross. Let it be a physical step of you moving closer to Jesus. For others today, one of the things that I love most about Seacoast is that we're a multi-generational church. I can't remember if you said chrome or platinum or whatever color it is up there that sounds a little more attractive than gray. But uh, man, the greatest life change I've ever experienced is when I've had men or women embody the thing that I wanted to go after. And I just love the invitation for you. If you're here in the house 
and, and would say, you know what, I'm feeling a little bored with my faith. I'm lacking the joy of my salvation. I remember when I first encountered him, and I don't know that I have that hunger. I would just say, man, I need you so bad. Maybe the greatest prayer you could pray today is going to be for you, but it's going to be so that guys like myself or that my kids could benefit from it. Maybe you could go to the, the candles, just light a candle, say, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, reignite that hunger, that passion, that fire in me to go hard after you. It's one of the sweetest gifts about being a part of a multi-generational church is seeing you finish strong. And I'm so thankful, Pastor Greg, for your example in that. For others, maybe it's the Spirit speaks to listeners. One of the things I love about response time is that we have members of our prayer team, spiritual mothers and fathers of all ages up here and throughout the room to pray for you. And there's been so many times that the voice of the Lord has come to me through a mother or father praying over me. So if you've come today with something burdened or you're lacking direction or you need to hear the voice of the Lord, maybe today is going to be a day where you could get up, go to see a member of our prayer team and have them pray over you. After we've had some time to respond, we'll sing and celebrate an awesome God, give our offerings generously. But what is he saying to you and what are you going to do about it? Let's respond together.